You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Variety executive editor and international managing director Stephen Gatos goes on the record online. The IRS crackdown on, on goodie bags and uh, swag has is, is made a real difference, uh, at, at least in terms of what uh, something like the Golden Globes hands out. Um, everyone looked kind of like uh, characters out of Oliver Twist, uh, you know, looking around for more gruel, sir. And thank you for downloading this episode of On the Record Online the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. A few uh, new things that I want to communicate to regular listeners and new listeners alike. Um, I I, I think it will be done by the time this podcast has been released, but I'm not entirely certain. Uh, We have revamped the website in a big way. And hopefully the uh, DNS records will be changed over and you'll be able to visit it as of um, uh, the date that this podcast is released. But uh, you may obviously be consuming this after it's released. And so um, I want to invite you to visit the new uh, website. There's all sorts of new features. Uh, We've opened up commenting on all the different podcasts. uh, So you can um, uh, post a comment to any individual show. You can also permalink to any show. So if there's uh, a reference uh, that you want to put on the record online uh, on one of your blogs or, or one of your podcasts or, or a website, by all means, now you have a way to do that. Uh, the other thing that we have on the right-hand column is a Frapper map. And uh, if you scroll down and click on the Frapper map, you can uh, put your position as an on-the-record online listener on the map. And it would be really nice to get a, a visual on all the different listeners who, uh, who, who, who listen to On the Record Online. I know we have listeners in Asia, listeners in Europe, listeners in um, uh, Scandinavia, uh, some listeners in Russia, and uh, some listeners in South America as well. And I know that because I received your emails, and uh, I would be very appreciative if you would take a moment to go to www.ontherecordpodcast.com and uh, in the right-hand field there uh, down, just scroll down and look for the Frapper map and put your position on the map um, so that we can uh, get a visual on uh, the listenership uh, demographically and uh, geographically. So uh, today we have a one-on-one with um, Variety Executive Editor, um, International Managing Director, Stephen Gatos. Uh, He joined Variety in 93. He served as the newspaper's first managing editor on special issues. Um, What that means is the Variety will do special issues. First of all, there is a daily Variety, a weekly international Variety. Uh, There's a Los Angeles edition or uh, a Gotham edition, which is the New York edition. Uh, There there may be – I think there are several others which which he mentions in the interview. And um, the majority of the coverage in the daily book is news coverage. But there will also be feature packages uh, which are called out on an editorial calendar in advance. And those feature packages typically follow – um, events in the industry. Uh, they might recognize the 100th anniversary of a syndicated television program. Uh, they might uh, recognize um, the anniversary of a uh, well-known uh, behind-the-scenes or even in front of the camera uh, uh, Hollywood personality. 
uh, they could recognize or, or memorialize a trade show or even a award show. Uh, we've got specials for the National Association of Television Programming Executives. There's a special for the Grammys. There's a, a number of specials leading up to the Oscars. I think they call them the road to the Oscars. Um, interesting thing about Variety versus the Howard Reporter, the Variety uh, tends to focus more on above-the-line issues. That that means um, if you look at the budget for a motion picture, uh, typically the, uh, the director and the producer and the major stars are seen as above-the-line costs, and then below the line you have the trades costuming, makeup, uh, cinematography. And so typically the, the, one of the big differences I see between the Hollywood Reporter and the Variety, the Hollywood Reporter, in addition to doing um, the above-the-line coverage, will also do uh, specials on costuming, specials on choreography. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I had actually set up a special on, uh, with the American Choreography Awards uh, with them uh, that went on for a number of years. Um, in, in most of the cases, the way that the specials work is it, it's based on the number of ads that they think that they can sell to support that particular issue. So um, if uh, it's the Oscars, obviously you're going to have all the for your consideration ads uh, that are going to tell the trade, hey, uh, this studio thinks that this movie uh, should be a contender for this category. And they'll put a nice glossy there and it'll say, for your consideration and the different categories that they think that the film should be recognized for. So um, these Oscar campaigns can actually be quite expensive. Yes, there's a strong PR component, but there's also a strong advertising component. And of course, the Variety and the Hard Reporter um, are the main uh, trade magazines in Hollywood. So if you want to get in front of the Academy voters, that's an important way to do it. Um, if this is your first time listening to this show, uh, we do in-depth one-on-one interviews with journalists from the mainstream media, as well as from time to time discussions with bloggers, podcasters, and newsmakers. And we talk to them about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt Excuse me, the mainstream media business as we know it. My name is Eric Schwartzman. Um, I teach uh, the course on new media PR at uh, UCLA, and I am also the chairman and founder of iPressroom Corporation, which helps organizations extend the reach of their PR and marketing campaigns using the latest new media tools and services integrated into one powerful online dashboard. And to see what we can do for you, go to www.ipressroom.com forward slash visible. I am also managing director of Schwartzman & Associates, a Los Angeles-based public relations agency specializing in entertainment, media, and technology. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can get it at www.ontherecordpodcast.com. It's free to subscribe. All you have to do is go to that um, uh, website there, and there's a number of different options. You can subscribe through iTunes. You can subscribe through Yahoo Podcasts. Uh, There's all sorts of easy ways to subscribe, and all you have to do is click a few buttons and follow a few links, and then each time we make a new episode available, you'll automatically receive it. And for the most part, we do new episodes every Friday. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, please send them to eric at ontherecordpodcast.com. So stay with us. You'll be hearing an interview with Variety Executive Editor, uh, International Managing Director Stephen Gatos. As always, it comes to you entirely unedited after this. 
Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from my press room. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom, tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Stephen Gatos, thanks so much for joining us. Good to be with you. Stephen, obviously the variety is really the pinnacle of the entertainment trade uh, 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 publications. Uh, you guys have been around for forever. And I was hoping we could talk a little bit about uh, the Oscars. Uh, obviously, we're, we're leading up to the uh, what is, uh, I guess, the largest PR event in the world. And I was hoping we could talk a little bit about, um, about uh, how the Oscars might be changing uh, as a result of the web and interactivity. Um, you know, I haven't seen any, uh, you know, really precise statistics, but uh, the Oscars have such an international following and such a huge uh, TV viewership. I can only assume that with the uh, the Internet and so much uh, uh, of people getting their information from the web that there's been uh, a corresponding explosion of interest online uh, to the Oscars. And, of course, there's a lot more chatter going on online than there ever was on TV. Tell us about that. Tell us about that online chatter. What are you referring to? Well, I call them the blognosticators. Uh, there's a kind of cottage industry. I'm not sure if you add it all together what it means in terms of advertising dollars. But the studios do uh, advertise on sites that are very specifically geared toward uh, people talking back and forth about award season. Uh, so there's, there's a number of people in that space. And um, I think people in the business read it. I don't know how much outside the business uh, it's read. What about um, uh, we, we, recently? I think there, it was reported that um, that the uh, the Academy um, sent a letter to this uh, uh, this blog called the uh, Oscar Watch, telling them you know, right. that they can't use that name anymore. What do you think of that strategy? Was that was that wise or uh, any the least surprising thing I've. You know, as a, as a journalist uh, working with the Academy constantly, uh, you know, every day from pretty much October through into February, it's the least surprising story of the year. Uh, the Academy is very uh, militant, very vigilant about protecting the copyright and their authority over the word Oscar. And uh, I think they just finally figured out that Oscar Watch uh, was a little bit too much on their turf and terrain and, and wanted to cease and desist. You know, with all these um, obviously user-generated uh, clips being uploaded to, to YouTube, I think one of the most popular clips on YouTube, if not the most popular clip on YouTube, is this uh, clip called um, "Evolution of the Dance," which essentially is you know blatant copyright violation to all the labels because it's uh, a mix of different uh, music clips and uh, a comic on stage dancing sort of through the different dance steps of the years. Um, given that we're seeing this sort of explosion of content on the internet, I mean, do you think it's realistic that the that they're going to be successfully able to police the use of their name? Um, through you, through users and blogs and, and other user-generated media? I would say with all the certainty I can muster on, on any one subject that uh, the Academy will be successful in, uh, in not allowing someone to have a website called OscarWatch.com. Um, what they do is they try to make sure that everybody who uses the word Oscar in any kind of advertisements or any kind of uh, publicity um, uses the copyright symbol along with it, 
so they don't object to people using the word Oscar. Um, the fact is, this was an entire business named after their award, and that was a bridge too far, I think, for them. Now, uh, one of the things uh, we've seen, uh, I think it was less than six months ago, there was a cover story uh, on the New York Times Magazine about uh, a popular podcast called Ask a Ninja. And uh, what they essentially said in the story or speculated was that perhaps YouTube might become the next farm club for finding comedic talent. Uh, Do you think that the internet or new media is going to cause any sort of shift in power in the entertainment industry? Well, I think it already has. Uh, I think that when uh, Rupert Murdoch buys something called MySpace that perhaps was not on the radar of a lot of people over 35 and completely on the radar of everybody under 35 um, and pays uh, hundreds of millions of dollars and then is seen as brilliant and underpaying, uh, you can be sure that uh, the rules have changed and, and things are, are changing very rapidly. I think the Google purchase of uh, YouTube for what was it, $1.2 billion, uh, that one is starting to look a little premature given all of the copyright questions. But what does it tell you? It tells you the ground has shifted underneath everyone's feet and the Internet as a source of uh, information, as a source of entertainment, as a uh, platform for entertainment, um, all those things that everybody thought was going to happen instantly back in 98, 99, is, uh, it's all coming to, to pass. This is a, kind of a tough question because I know as, as a trade editor, obviously, you know, the, the, the rule of thumb is do no harm. But if you had to sort of look at the media business as a whole and, and, and sort of pinpoint the weak points uh, in the chain you think that are most at risk, that have the most to lose as a result of the growth of new media, I mean, what, what category would you say that would be? Well, I don't think it's any secret that uh, print is uh, in a lot of trouble. Uh, we just saw a newspaper sell for $500 million. Uh, these are rough numbers, of course. Uh, sell for $500 million after being purchased for roughly a million or more, a billion or more, uh, six years earlier. Uh, you see all the trouble Tribune has had uh, with trying to uh, find a proper suitor for L.A. Times and their other problems. Properties, the New York Times, the layoffs, uh, the struggles they're having. Um, you know, the first uh, first group that's uh, getting hit in the head is uh, is definitely print, and the ones that are getting hit in the head the hardest are weekly print. Now, um, we've seen obviously the 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 LA Times try to go in a bunch of different directions to try to sort of, I guess, stem the loss of readership. And one of the recent things we saw them introduce is this special section called the envelope. Do you see the envelope uh, sort of as, as them moving in on, on, on your turf? I wouldn't say it's moving in on our turf. I would say the turf is, uh, is everyone who wants to have advertising revenue from movie studios. And that's, uh, you know, traditionally the papers like the L.A. Times, the New York Times, um, that's a, a very big category for them. People pick up the papers uh, to go to movies, and the studios advertise, uh, you know, in those papers. So to me, it's an extension. I think it is a sign that their traditional revenues are sliding and they're looking at places they might not have bothered with. If there's an extra few million dollars, uh, they're spending an awful lot of money and a lot of resources and energy, and I think they're also creating an enormous amount of internal discord uh, in order to launch something like that to get uh, some money. So um, I remember once uh, uh, talking to uh, one of the editors over at Variety and and hearing, and this is several years ago, this is probably over five years ago, and hearing from them, you know, our 
our we make the majority of our revenue from the four-year consideration ads that run leading up to the Oscars. That's really you know our our tentpole and our business and our our main reason for existing. Is that still the case today? Uh, never was the case. Uh, they misspoke, or or maybe your remembrance of their of what they were saying was uh, distorted a little bit. Um, it's an enormously important category of advertising revenue. Uh, although I don't work on the business side, and I'm an editor here, I can look down the hall and, and see the people selling ads and know what they're doing. Um, it's an important category, but it's certainly not uh, the only reason we're here, and it's certainly not the majority of what we do. Um, we have uh, you know newspapers all year long, and we have them all around the world, and we have a weekly, um, and we have two dailies, one in L.A. and New York, and uh, lots of other stuff. But it's a, it's a huge, uh, important category. So if you look at that category, just like uh, perhaps if you could quantify the number of ad pages um, as a result of, four, of the four-year consideration category, um, are you seeing any trend, an upward trend, a downward trend? Is it is it flat? How is new media changing that? Well, um, there's a saying in, in publishing that uh, you are defying gravity if your print numbers, uh, you know, your, your revenues are not falling, and, and we're successfully not just defying gravity, but my department, does the uh, features department of Variety, which does an enormous amount of awards sections from October through February, um, we're just having the biggest season we've ever had. Uh, it's a little bit funny and perplexing and frightening even uh, because going into the season, everyone's perception was that this was not an incredibly strong year for Oscar films. And uh, in some ways, it's stronger than ever. You know, one of the things I, I've seen change just in the number of years I've I've been in the business is um, the introduction of all these new award shows. I can remember when there were maybe three or four uh, award shows leading up to the Oscars, and now there seems to be nearly a dozen. Do you yeah. think that's one of the reasons why the ad category is strong, or does that play into that or or not? I think it plays into it. I think that there's a, a sophistication uh, about awards season, and there's an intensity. And uh, it's kind of like the presidential race. You notice how everybody's in early, and everybody's raising a lot of money, and you have to spend a lot of money to play. Uh, I think the awards season is, is a little bit like that. People waited in very early and said this is an awards film. Uh, in some cases, um, they may have come away from awards season slightly disappointed, like Dreamgirls. Uh, but the picture was positioned from day one as a major awards film. And um, looking at the glass half full, they got eight Academy Award nominations more than anyone else. Looking at it half empty, they did not get Best Picture or Director, and I think they're a little disappointed. Obviously, there's been so much discussion about whether or not Dreams Girl, Dream Girls is a big uh, disappointment and whether or not it was they ran a poor campaign. So there's been an, enough said about that. What I'd like to know from yep. you is how do you think the introduction of a movie like Norbit might impact Eddie Murphy's chances of winning an Oscar? You know, there's a lot of discussion about that in the blogosphere amongst the blognosticators, that somehow this was going to tank his chances. And then the picture opened to about 34 million. I think it's about the biggest opening of an Eddie Murphy film ever. And suddenly, all, everyone changed their tune and said Eddie Murphy having a number one movie reminded everybody how much he's loved across America and how popular he is and how successful he is, and then how daring it would be for him to take on a role like the uh, James Early character in the show in uh, Dreamgirls. 
So I, I'm not sure that it's uh, helped or hurt him or had an effect at all. I, I, I really believe the voters are watching the movies and looking at each of the performances and trying to figure out, you know, which person do they really want to give the award to. Given uh, your access to so many uh, insiders and influential people who, who know things that the rest of us don't, um, and given that there was all these sort of attempts at interactivity in the Grammys, Justin Timberlake holding the camera out on stage, uh, right. the uh, the voting where the one girl got to sing with him, are you expecting to see any interactivity of that nature in the Oscars this year? You know, I, I haven't heard that they're going to go that way. I don't think they are, but never say never. And if they don't this year, would anybody be shocked if they did next year? Uh, the truth is the, the Oscar organization, the Academy uh, website, and uh, and all the people working there and doing all the different things they're doing, um, they're a very progressive and fast-moving organization. They're, they're not stodgy. They're doing a lot of different things every year to keep this very lively and uh, keep people awake. And so, you know, will they take their uh, cues from things that are working out there in the culture? They always have. Stephen, has your job gotten easier or harder with the growth of new media? My job has gotten better and more exciting and more fun. Um, And I can't tell if it's more difficult because I'm having so much fun. I'm completely excited about uh, about the internet and the opportunities it's providing me specifically because I'm a features editor and features are really wonderfully uh, adaptable to the internet in a way that news which has a kind of shelf life of a minute and a half uh, it's a little bit tougher in the news world if I do a great feature if we talk to Martin Scorsese or Van Morrison or uh, Jennifer Hudson or whomever and we, or we do a very good behind the scenes feature story on some aspect of awards season of the Oscars or a specific film uh, we get deep into uh, the making of a movie like Pan's Labyrinth, um, we can break that into a lot of different pieces. And in print, you're kind of handcuffed a little on, on where you put that stuff and how you, how you package it and, and how much you have to put it together. Um, on the web, I, I'm able to just like cherry pick and take things and put them uh, fast or slow or, or you know, uh, aggregate them or, or strip them into more narrow strands. Um, I just love it. And, and we're really only just beginning. The, the entire organization here at Variety is has never been more excited, and I can say that uh, with the basis of 13 years. 13 years I've been here, I've never seen a news organization more excited and uh, and ambitious and creative in, in embracing all this stuff. But on the reporting side, as you gather the facts, as you decide what to write about, how has the web and, and all this unprecedented access to information changed the way you find, research, and qualify stories? What has changed is not necessarily new media, because keep in mind, Variety is a business publication. We, we're, we cover the entertainment business. We are not a gossip publication. So when things like TMZ pop up and you've got people running around with cameras uh, trying to catch uh, you know people out in Malibu drinking and, and driving or running around without their uh, shorts on in, at uh, Nobu, that's not what we do. So it's not really impacting on us. What does impact on us, and it has for the past 10 years, and just gets more and more intense, there's just so many people covering Hollywood and show business and covering the business uh, as well as the gossip. 
probably when Army Archard started his uh, column at Variety back in the early 50s, the, the number of people reporting on Hollywood numbered literally in the dozens, and now they number in the hundreds and thousands. If the head of Tribune Media were to sit you down, and if you weren't working at Variety, and they were to say to you, what do we do to save the L.A. Times? How do we, what do we do to preserve this, this masthead? What would you tell them? In terms of their entertainment coverage? In terms of their, uh, of the, of their total coverage as a paper, yeah. what, what do they need to do to stay relevant? Um, I'm a pretty harsh critic of the Los Angeles Times, and living in London for the past five years made me an even more harsh critic, because the, the greatest thing I experienced in London was the quality of the journalism in the UK. Uh, it's so exciting. It's so lively. It is not staid. It is not moss-bound. The front page of the London Times has a wit and uh, an irony and humor and liveliness to it and, and an energy and then a level of quality of writing that just made it a joy, and, and there weren't enough hours in the day to read all those great papers. Um, I was dissatisfied with the L.A. Times before I went to London, and I came back more dissatisfied. Um, I think that their calendar section and their entertainment coverage, uh, they keep getting torn in a couple of different directions, uh, trying to be more like us or trying to be more like TMZ or People magazine. Um, they, they have to find the right, the right tune and then play it. Final question. Uh, we've heard about these IRS crackdowns on the gift bags at the Oscars. Has it really made a difference? I think the uh, the IRS crackdown on, on goodie bags and uh, swag has is, is made a real difference, uh, at least in terms of what uh, something like the Golden Globes hands out. Um, everyone looked kind of like uh, characters out of Oliver Twist, uh, you know, looking around for more gruel, sir, um, and, because the, the stuff had been scaled back. However, if you, if you roll back a little bit with the camera and look at the big picture, the uh, amount of swag, the amount of goodies and gifts and perks and uh, handouts that celebrities are, are just uh, uh, flooded with constantly, uh, it has never been more. And we actually have a piece in Variety this week. We're doing a thing called Oscars Big Week, Days of Power and Play. It's all about everything going on in the last week. And one of our stories is about the fashion designers just fighting tooth and nail to get celebrities to wear their stuff. Variety Executive Editor Stephen Gatos, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It was fun. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. 